Surprise, Marcus Freeman decided to open the doors to Notre Dame's practice today, and now we have a full two-hour session to discuss. Takeaways, standouts, and concerns coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, April 13th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. You'd actually be doing me a huge favor by doing that because, not surprisingly, a bunch of USC fans did not like my show yesterday when I suggested that their head coach might be leaving after this year. Uh, It looks like I struck a nerve because because I got a lot of dislikes on that one, but oh well, it happens. Anyway... Uh, If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, go back and check it out so you can see what I'm talking about. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate the show five stars and subscribe there as well. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer for college football talent at Fox Sports in Los Angeles. And in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Luke Smith, my good friend and old co-host, to discuss Notre Dame's open practice. I know when I teased this in yesterday's episode, I said we'd be debating which Notre Dame athletes would have made the most NIL money in their careers, but then... Notre Dame altered their practice schedule, so Wednesday's practice was fully open to the media. And now we're going to have to table that NIL segment to a later date, but I promise we will get it done, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, let's welcome in Luke Smith. All right, Luke Smith is here, and Luke, we got a surprise today. Uh, I think we're all under the impression that Notre Dame would not have a full practice open to the media until the spring game, but then Marcus Freeman allowed everyone to stick around for the entire two-hour session on Wednesday. And as you're reading all the reports and everything that's out there, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you? I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just how kind of universally, and and this isn't really even that surprising, but just the talk about how impressive the two tackles are uh, in Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Like, and, and I don't think this is anything against the defensive line because it actually sounds like maybe they've had a little bit better of a spring than some of us might have expected, or they've answered the bell, I should say at least. But it just seems like those guys, uh, nobody's getting past them, and that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, we talk about what's translatable and what's not uh, as we move into the season, but I think that that's something that definitely is uh, – it's going to be hard to find a tackle tandem better than those guys. Yeah, it's almost like when a guy does break through, whether it be Jordan Botello or Junior Tuialamaka, if they get through <laughs> once every three reps, it's like, oh, wow, that's really good. Because if you can get by Alt Fisher, you could probably get by – most people 70 to 80 percent of the teams that Notre Dame is going to be playing this season yeah uh if not more uh, maybe 85 90 so yeah absolutely yeah I think those guys it's more so something that like we all thought about going into the season like okay Alton Fisher should be awesome and then it's sort of just reaffirming those notions now that we're in the spring but one thing that's sort of been uh, a theme of spring practice is that Tyler Buckner is playing really well that's not to say that Sam Harmon has been playing terribly but He's definitely experiencing uh, some growing pains, learning the offense, getting acclimated with the new wide receiver group. But what do you make of the quarterback competition right now? So I'm not surprised that Tyler Buckner is playing well. Um, I think he probably really found himself in that bowl game against South Carolina. Despite the pick sixes, he played pretty well. And you got to believe that getting that bowl win gave him a ton of confidence. Going into this offseason, I mean, we all saw the tweet he put out with that meme of the old guy um, after that game. Like He was a confident guy going into it. I think something else you have to take into account is that 
a lot of the receivers in this group right now are his classmates, guys that he committed with, uh, signed with, and you got guys like Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas, um, Styles, who I know we'll talk about that later, but these are all his guys, so he has a better chemistry with them than Sam Hartman. He's just been around them longer, and hand-in-hand hand with that, he also has a better understanding of the offense than Sam Hartman does right now. Um, I always believed that if he were to stay – uh, and this is assuming he does, and this is also assuming he doesn't win the job because I'm sure that's going to start to become a conversation if this trend continues. But I always believe that Tyler Buckner would have a moment where Notre Dame was going to need him to win them a game at some point. I don't know what that looks like. It's just it's the gut feeling I have. And this progression that we're hearing about in spring practice uh, helps to, to really kind of reinforce that belief that I have. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. We both have been high on Buckner pretty much from the moment he stepped on campus. And we didn't really waver. Even last year when things were going south uh, after the Ohio State game, we were like, guys, relax. It was one game against Ohio State on the road in his first ever start. And I think this is this is just a trend, not just specific to Notre Dame fans, but for sports fans in general. We are so quick to write people off, especially people who had high expectations. Like if they don't live up to them immediately, then people are like, oh, he just sucks. Like, I think you and I were with someone, and so uh, we were talking about Tyler Buckner, and we, they were asking us about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, didn't start off great, but he did, you know, get his, his shoulder exploded, and I think that eventually he'll be a pretty solid quarterback. And they were like, nope, enough, like I've seen enough to know that he's terrible. It's like, I don't know how you could get that from two games, but now we're actually kind of starting to see it with Sam Hartman Well, people are like, what the hell? Why isn't he dominating in practice number nine at Notre Dame? So I don't know. It's just a trend that I've noticed, and we're seeing it in basically the inverse because it happened with Buckner last year. We're seeing it with Hartman this year. Yeah, I was going to say that was a good segue because I think we can probably already see that narrative forming. Um, personally, the only way I would entertain that conversation, and maybe this is actually more your style than mine, but just – expecting the whatever the worst thing to happen <laughs> can happen does happen uh and that would be i like how uh, that's my style which i can't I, mean, I can't even argue it it's you know it's like oh maybe it was a gimmicky offense he was playing in this whole time and it's <laughs> and he's not actually met i don't believe any of this but you know that's what the the ultimate pessimist fan would think and so that's the only way i would probably entertain that conversation i think he's going to be just fine yeah, I think Hartman's going to be fine. The only thing that could happen that would make me waver at all with Sam Hartman is if he had a Phil Jerkovic-level spring game next Saturday, I'd be like, did he just forget how to throw when he's not in the slow mesh? But again, that was so astronomically bad out of Phil that I don't think anyone will ever reach that level again, and I don't think Sam Hartman is going to do that. Uh, I think it's what, next Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, next – yeah, 22nd. So – um yeah, coming up, I guess we'll I guess we'll see what that looks like. I'm also kind of curious to see how much action he and Tyler Buckner both get. Um, I don't know how much I'd put them out there. I also don't think I'd put Logan Diggs out there at all, given what happened to him in the spring game last year. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so on the topic of injuries, there were a few guys who were out during Wednesday's practice. Uh, the Virginia Tech transfer, Caleb Smith, he was out due to personal business. Um, Jalen Sneed was not there. It's unconfirmed, but Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated said, uh, suggested that he might be in concussion protocol, but he should be back uh, by Friday's practice. Then Notre Dame has a big full contact, very intense practice coming on Saturday in Notre Dame Stadium, and he's expected to be there for that. Christian Gray was also out as well. Not sure why. Um, I think O'Malley also suggested that he might have a class conflict, but the one most notable absence of all 
was linebacker Prince Colley. Colley's in his junior year now. He was absent. At least none, no one in the media knew why. It was certainly a surprise to them. There's nothing to, official to report at this point, so anything is, is speculation, but uh, I don't think it's a good sign. How do you feel about it? It's interesting, um, just like the notion of a class conflict, and I know that that's not what you're talking about, but just something that I was thinking of, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that would happen more often than not. I actually kind of thought that football players weren't a lot. Maybe freshmen are different. I don't know. But yeah, no, I know. I think on. that's it. Early enrollee. Fre- I I think that's the the problem. Is like early enrollee freshmen. People are t- taking their first year studies classes. I think it interferes a little bit more. Stop. than So the, that yeah. me, that Moreau class is uh, causing all those conflicts <laughs> and missing snaps. Uh, that's really valuable. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Prince Collie thing. I'm not ready to jump to conclusions yet. Um, I don't know when the next do they have aren't they supposed to meet with I think like either the defensive line or offensive line tomorrow? Yeah, we're I think we're expected to hear from Al Golden on Friday and then Freeman on Saturday. So we'll okay. we'll find out here in the coming days. It won't be long. Yeah, it's the only reason like I, I'm not ready to just jump in here and say, Oh, he might be out the door is because Kali himself spoke with the media pretty recently and it seemed like he had a pretty good attitude. Now maybe he's just a that's how he presented himself publicly and and he's on his way out the door, but I'm not ready to jump um, that far yet. And, and like, I think that this is just kind of the, uh, just like the weirdness of spring ball. Like going back to the point, the media didn't even know that they were going to get a full practice today until they showed up. Um, they don't really get an explanation for why some guys aren't there part. And like part of this stuff, I know we're going to get into Lorenzo styles, taking some reps at corner, some of those guys not being there that you mentioned and Sam Hartman sucking. Like, can we just put on like tinfoil hats and say like, Hey, maybe Freeman is just telling his guys to have terrible practice in front of the media. And it's like, I, I don't know, some sort of weird tactic. Kidding. Of course. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all of the sugar and calories. Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. you got to try these. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need a way to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. I promise you'll love these and you can thank me later. With Kali, I don't want to say he's out the door or anything like that. And I feel like if Notre Dame had any inkling at all that Kali was going to leave before he spoke to the media, they just wouldn't let him speak to the media. They have final say on who gets to go in front of the podium. And I don't think that they would let a guy go there if they had any sense that he was unhappy or that he was unhappy to the point that he was uh, considering transferring. But we don't know. I guess we'll find out. He could just be hurt, which also wouldn't be great, but it'd be better than a transfer. But does it change how you feel about the linebackers at all? Because personally, I feel really good about where the linebackers are at with or without Kali. I feel good about where they're at. Um, to be honest, I think I was a, like, and I, I did, ex- I hoped Kali would carve himself a role this year, but 
I think I feel slash felt a little bit more optimistic about Jalen Sneed finding his way on the field compared to Kali or just in a more consistent, regular capacity. Um, so if, if this was Sneed, I probably would have a little bit more concern. Also, just because like Kali being as athletic as he is, Notre Dame doesn't really have many athletes like Jalen Sneed. And like that's why I feel really good about him. Um, and, and hopefully you know, spelling some of those older guys so that they're more fresh as the season goes on here. Um, and, and that's why I do think I do feel better about that group because there should be a lot more depth this year, and those guys shouldn't be running on fumes in November. That's been the case the last two seasons, really, mm-hmm. with the linebackers. Like Maris Leofow led the defense in snaps despite his struggles last year. And it looks like we got a little shakeup with the linebackers. So Jack Kaiser is working inside along with Bertrand and Leofow. I know how people feel about Bertrand. I think he's going to have a massive year. All the reports coming out of practice today were that Bertrand was all over the middle of the field, always in the right place at the right time. And again, if he's able to rest a little bit when get Jack Kaiser into the mix there, then he should be operating uh, at full capacity more of the time than not. And that way, hopefully he won't just get burnt uh, and just not able to get the angles and make some tackles as the year goes on. But uh, Nolan Ziegler was starting at Rover today. Now, I think part of that might be due to the fact that Snead wasn't practicing. But I think there's a real chance that Snead could end up being the starter. Maybe not right away, but at some point during the season. Yeah, I I definitely think that's possible. Um, I also think that they've kind of changed how they've used the Rover position. Like, since Al Golden took over the defense, it, it just, like, it seemed like they kind of shifted in their usage of that formationally last year. So that'll be interesting to see. But I think that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. And also they, they've been trying to figure out who to play there uh, without Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo, who's basically like the best Rover ever, but uh, they've been trying to fill that position ever since. Um, all right. What else we got here? Okay. Let's, let's talk about Lorenzo Styles. You already mentioned it a little bit. So it sounds like he was getting some reps at cornerback today, but not the full practice. Uh, he was also getting some, he was doing some drills at wide receiver as well. And I'm not going to lie. This was stunning to me, not because, or not because I don't think Lorenzo Styles couldn't play the position. He played it in high school. Uh, his brother's actually a really good defensive back at Ohio State. He was a five-star recruit. And then their dad is a defensive backs coach for the high school, or at least he used to be at Pickerington Central. So it makes sense that if you were going to put a receiver there, Styles would be the guy, but the quarterback depth seems so good right now. Why even entertain it in the first place? Yeah, I'm trying to have a more measured response to this because, like, part of me wants to say it's the spring. You just, like, screw around and see what sticks sort of thing. But the other part of me is, like, if they're even entertaining this, they really must not be that sold on him as a wide receiver, which, one, I wouldn't really get. I know he had a rough year last year, but, like, we really thought that guy was going to be really good last year. Um, And it kind of seems like people are just giving up on him. And that's the perception I get from just the way that some of the media talks about him. And I can only assume that they're getting that from the coaching staff. And that's a little bit alarming to me because personally, I'm not ready for that. Even though he did have some really bad drops last year, like he doesn't need to be the number one guy either. That's the thing. So I don't really know what the right reaction to this is. I'm trying to remain rational and be like, Hey, it's a spring, but also like there is a large part of me saying if they're even entertaining this, that seems like an issue. Yeah, it's odd. Um, I'm sure we'll get some more clarity here in the coming days. Once the coaches have a chance to speak with the media, I'm sure they're going to be asked about that pretty much immediately. And with, with, when it comes to Lorenzo Styles, initially at the start of spring practice, we were hearing a lot of good things that he was, he looked a lot more engaged. His body language was good. 
Um, it looked like he was ready to bounce back from from really just a, a disappointing year all of last season. We were so high on him going into the season, and then obviously it just did not pan out. But that might have been a mental thing because those drops can accumulate, and then mm-hmm. it can really affect where your headspace is at. But looking at the receiver depth chart now, this this is the first group that was out there today. So that you had Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey split out. Colsey was at the boundary. Merriweather was in the field. And then Jaden Thomas was in the slot. I know Jaden Thomas is not your typical slot receiver, what you'd expect. He's not like a Chris Fink. But he basically is so big, he's like a detached tight end. And then in the second receiver group, it was Rico Flores, Chris Tyree, and Braylon James. Like, I know Lorenzo Styles didn't have the best year, last season, but I feel like he's better than every single receiver in that second group today. I would agree. Um, and unless the coaching staff has seen some things that, um, you know, that we haven't, the other piece of this is that Ohio state, I think did recruit Lorenzo styles as a defensive back. If I recall this correctly. And he was a good DB. Yeah. And I would think that, he would rather transfer somewhere else to play wide receiver than flip to the defensive side of the ball. And and I like, obviously I don't know the guy, but that's just my, that's my guess. Right. And if the coaching staff was worried that he wasn't as engaged as they need to be, I don't think a position switch would all of a sudden make him buy in. So again, I think we'll get more clarity here soon, but speaking of the quarterbacks, uh, I saw something today that I don't know why I thought it was so funny. Maybe it was just the image of it. So apparently the cornerbacks were wearing oven mitts in one-on-ones. And Luke, as a coach yourself, uh, one of the top 7th and 8th grade basketball coaches in the city of Chicago, um, what are some of your favorite practice gimmicks? Uh, So personally, I'm not much of a gimmick coach myself, uh, but it did, you know, at least I haven't incorporated those yet, but it did (laughs) bring back uh, a few memories. One being when I was in junior high, our basketball coach had like a blocking pad for football that he would just use and just drill us with as we, sh- I think it's a Tom Izzo thing, actually. It is. Um, problem was this guy played football at Wisconsin and was just kind of knocking the shit out of seventh and eighth graders. So <laughs> I don't know if you could still do that in 2023. Uh, the one that really sticks out though, is I had a baseball coach who one time to increase bat speed, he really urged us, you'll see a lot of baseball players put a donut on their bat to swing a heavier bat so that their bats quick when they step up to the plate. He had to swing a hammer, um, like a legit, like, like worn a down. Hammer? Yeah. Like, like a mini jackhammer. And it worked. I won't lie. Initially, like my first at bat after that, I like, we we're playing on a field with no fence the kid was throwing hard. And I just hit a bomb. Like, I don't, it was probably the furthest ball I've ever hit inside the park home run. The problem was they brought in a new pitcher and I continued to use that hammer and the pitcher was a lot slower. And so I was so out in front of this guy that I like struck out on three pitches swinging. So it wasn't uh foolproof. You know, you really only had to use it when the guy was throwing hard, but that, that yeah. one was a little bit gimmicky as well. I feel like when we say gimmicky, people are, are going to take this as like we're making fun of Mike Mick. It's like, oh, this is a stupid drill. I get why, they, they, why they're using oven mitts. It's so that they aren't – like it prevents the corner from grabbing or holding onto the receiver at all so that they don't – it's a lot harder at least to get a uh, pass interference penalty and they get to learn how to cover a guy without just holding on, even though you can kind of get, get away with that a little bit. But it's still just – it's so funny to think about. I was thinking back to some of the stuff we did. I had a coach like you in basketball who – very physical like he was a football coach I don't think he knew anything about basketball really and there were some practices where we would go a full hour and a half two hours without ever shooting the ball and we would just do (laughs) press drills and play defense and 
like, but he was such an interesting guy before the games. We do like, you know how like football teams like jump around and they have this really yeah. loud like pregame huddle before we would do that in a little tiny basketball gym. And we just look so obnoxious. And then we go out there and score like 14 points. I think the most absurd practice gimmick, and I've told you this before, but I don't, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. Another baseball coach, as we know, baseball coaches are a little bit weird. Our high school baseball coach, I was a freshman at the time, thought it was a good idea to throw at us during batting practice if we did not, if we, if we fouled it off or we didn't execute our assignment because we'd be like, all right, hit it the other way, hit and run situation. If you did not execute it, he would literally, the next pitch was coming at you. Now it was batting practice. He was not throwing full speed. But he would literally throw at us, and he was basically teaching us to, I don't know, not be soft. I, I never really understood the purpose of it. <laughs> Needless to say, there are a lot of complaints uh, from parents afterwards. We didn't do that drill again, but it, it did bring back some funny memories as I was reading about this. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot this. That totally jogged my memory. Uh, the guy that was the freshman baseball coach in my high school before I got there, he was an MMA fighter on the side, and he would he literally had kids on the team box him, and he beat the shit out of them. <laughs> And needless to say, he was not retained, but I forgot about that. The guy was a lunatic. What was, was he trying to teach like hand speed? What was the, I I, I think he literally just wanted to beat the shit out of some 14 year olds. (laughs) We got to We got to install some screening. I tried to like look this guy up recently. You can't find him anywhere. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. (laughs) All right. Let's get back to the point here. Uh, Going back to spring practice, I know we we said at the beginning of this that we didn't want to uh, take too much away from any of this stuff and that there's so much that's going to change between now and the time that the season actually starts in the fall. But is there anything that's particularly concerning to you so far coming out of spring practice that either you didn't think about before or something that you're at least going to be following throughout the summer and, and into the fall camp? Hmm. Um. As far as concerns go... You know, not not really. I was gonna say the special teams because I've heard it's it's not been very good, but the kicker's not on the kicker that they got from South Florida isn't on campus yet. So um I think that'll probably resolve itself a little bit. Other than that, like I think you'd like to see a little bit more from Caleb Smith just because he's like been playing college football so long, but maybe he's coming off an injury we didn't know about. I don't know. It just, it sounds like he's been running with the threes a lot, to be honest. And that's a little bit concerning, Um, but that's kind of it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the transfers because that that's mine. Um, Obviously Notre Dame picked up four, uh, yeah, four grad transfers plus the kicker. So you've got Sam Hartman, you've got Caleb Smith, you've got Javante Jean-Baptiste and Thomas Harper, and then the kicker as well. And then hopefully they're going to add a safety uh, in the portal in May once it opens up again. But if you think about it, those four, not only were they pretty good players during their time in college, Sam Hartman obviously being the best, but they, they're they at positions of need at Notre Dame. And frankly, none of those guys, we have not really heard anything that overwhelmingly positive about any of them. Now with Sam Hartman, I get it. He's still learning the playbook. I'm just saying that we haven't really, there hasn't been anything it's been like, oh, wow, awesome. This transfer is going to step in. Javante, uh, John Baptiste has been dealing with injuries. He was limited today. Uh, Thomas Harper really hasn't been able to do much at, at all because he's rehabbing a shoulder surgery. And then Caleb Smith, like you mentioned, he wasn't even there at practice today dealing with a personal matter. That's not to say that any of these guys won't be successful at Notre Dame, but I feel like you would want to hear a little bit more uh, in the positive direction surrounding those four guys because pretty much all four of them are going to be critical to this team this year. 
They definitely are. And yeah, you're right. I think with Harper, like, I, I give him a lot of leeway there just because he's not healthy and we knew that coming in. Um, but yeah, the other guys you'd like to see a little bit more. I think it's almost a little bit challenging sometimes the defensive lineman just to gauge impact. Like I think we saw today that Javante John Baptiste was held out of some segments because he's dealing with some different injuries, like you mentioned. So it's just really hard to get a gauge, but obviously you would love it if they just showed up day one and say, okay, this guy's going to be a game wrecker, but haven't really seen that yet. All right. On the flip side of that, what are you most excited about with this team right now? Like, are there any players that stick out? Cause I've got three in my head that I'm really excited to see in the spring game. I think um, maybe, maybe not just like from a skill standpoint, but like you're really happy to see that Estime and Merriweather have just transformed their bodies. There's some other guys like that, that like, and maybe that's just like the classic spring training, the, any sport like training camp, like best, best shape of shape life. Of, yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like you can kind of see it with those guys, and that's the difference to me. That's something that seems sustainable, um, and something that might even transform itself even more by the time we get to to August. Yeah, I I would put these three guys in the group of like just most excited to see play again. It's a spring game. We're probably only going to see them for the first half or however long. I don't even know if Notre Dame has officially announced the format for this upcoming spring game, but Aja Casme. Xavier Watts and Riley Mills, because all the stuff we've been hearing, especially uh, the first two I mentioned, Estime and Watts, it sounds like they've been absolutely dominant in spring ball. Estime, uh, I mean, we know how big he is. We know how difficult he is to bring down, but then you add some speed to that and add a little bit more lateral quickness. I, if you're a defensive back in the open field and you've got to make a play on Estime, I think you just do like, just, you know, make a business decision, either get out of the way or kind of give, like a half-hearted attempt at tackling his ankles. I don't know, because I would not want to tackle him. And then Xavier Watts, like I really can't wait to see him on the field because we saw it a little bit at the end of last season. He was coming on at safety, and now he's he might be a dog this year, dude. And I'm just really excited to see him. No, I think those are all good picks and, and all guys that I expect to to really be impact, impact players this fall. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Luke, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a follow on Twitter, at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram, at LockedOnIrishPod, and my personal Twitter account, at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.